0: Welcome to Docs in Orbit, where we feature conversations with independent creative documentary filmmakers from around the world. This is Christina Zachariadis. We have a really special episode for our last episode of Docs in Orbit this year. And before I introduce our special guest... I want to just thank all of our listeners and volunteers who have contributed to keeping the Docs in Orbit project alive so that we can continue to offer a nourishing space where independent documentary artists engage in dialogue with the films and the filmmakers whose work moves and fuels their own creations. This is very much the case with our next guest, Viktor Kosakovsky, and his latest film, Gunda. I have been a huge fan of Kosukovsky's work ever since one of his first films that he made in 1993 called The Belovs. It's a portrait of a simple village life, sometimes tender and sometimes harsh, captured mostly in an observational style of filmmaking until the very last scene where we are shaken from his camera work. So I've been looking forward to his latest film, Gunda, where again, he delivers us simplicity, tenderness, and a last sequence that makes the ground shake. I truly feel that Gunda is not the masterpiece of Kosakovsky's body of work, but a masterpiece of cinema, experiential cinema in its purest form. Gunda chronicles the unfiltered lives of a mother pig, a flock of chickens, and A Herd of Cows with Intimacy. Using stark, transcendent black-and-white cinematography and the farm's ambient soundtrack, Viktor Kosakovsky invites audiences to slow down and experience life as his subjects do, taking in their world with a magical patience and an otherworldly perspective. Gunda asks us to meditate on the mystery of animal consciousness and reckon with the role humanity plays in it. Eka Tsotsoria moderates the conversation. Mr.
1: Kosakowski, I really cannot stress enough how lucky I feel to be talking to you today. Uh, your brilliant new piece, Gunda, left a very strong impression on me, and it's really an honor that you decided to share your thoughts with us. I know that Gunda was a long desired project for you. Um, so it's finally out. Uh, you've been waiting for this opportunity for years and years. In this film, we find ourselves very close to your subjects and your gaze towards them is very compassionate and deeply respectful.
2: Thank you. Help me with, how to translate in English, Mirova
1: uh, maybe world vision, the vision of, mm. I would need to look it so, up as but
2: well. It's like, um, and documentary, actually, actually any art connected to this way, how do you look to the world, right? So, and documentary in particular cannot be disconnected to this what Mirovo because the way you look to the world is the basic of documentary, right? You cannot just, that made your film one way and think about the world different way. It's normally together, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why it's not accidental that I made this movie about Gwendo because actually, so when I was four years old, even I was born in St. Petersburg, but I spent some time in childhood in a small, tiny place between Moscow and St. Petersburg. Actually, it was... Uh, grandfather of Belov, uh, it was the, it his house. So when my uncle Sergei Belov uh, and his wife, Evgenia, they, when they left, went to, to do the job, I was alone with Piglet. And I remember he probably was one month old and I was four years old and um, and I was running in the house and I was making mess there. And then when I knew they will come back, I was trying to make everything in order. And, and so he became my beautiful friend, best friend in that time. And then obviously I don't remember, maybe it was the Christmas time. In Russia, it was not Christmas, it's like New Year. Of course, he was killed and appear like a dinner in Christmas table, right? So for me, it was like biggest revolution in my life, like disaster, they kill my friend, and they even eat it, you know? He was really something important for my life. And suddenly, disappear. So when I became filmmaker, I all my life wanted to make this movie, but it was absolutely impossible because who will give you money? Our culture is so human centric, you know, human, how do you call it? All our films were made about us. We are most important creatures of the world. All films about us. I love him. He doesn't love me. She doesn't love me. I love him. He tricked me. He all about us all the time, like thousand years. All about how how important we are, how beautiful we are, how crazy we are. And come on, enough. I don't understand. We are just one part of this universe. Just one little part. Imagine if we will disappear. Planet will not even notice. Mm-hmm. We are simply killing one billion pigs a year. Mm. This is amazing what we do. We allow ourselves to eat them and don't think that we are killing them, and it's not correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. This like a deliberate blindness and insensitivity that you talk about um, towards the ecological problems behind meat industry is shared by many, many films as well that is made about the subject. Yet what I find different with your work, the film, was not the cliché like the animals are just like us, but instead I was, I had this experience of imagining what it's like to be an animal. And it was a chance to understand a bit better the different forms of consciousness and Co- forms of communication. You know, the film also showed us that the grief is something that can be communicated and it can be communicated even between the species.
2: Tolstoy wrote a short story called Hals Tamers, it's History of a Horse. Uh, you can translate it. And kind of the, the short story, it's written kind of from the point of view of horse. And it was so important for me to read when I was a kid. Like really revolutionary. Just to imagine how a horse can see us. And then it was when I started studying uh, cinema, I learned that in paintings, I learned that it was a French painter who 400 years ago he made a painting called Wu. The portrait was portrait of animals, and they were looking to the painter. And it was so beautiful to see this revolution when, in art. When, and you see that they have a soul. If you look Gunda, you see she has a soul, right? She has her soul, yeah? Obviously, you cannot miss it, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I come back to Leonardo da Vinci phrase. He said, one day human will understand that to kill animal and to kill human is the same act of killing, mm. nothing else so we unfortunately very really slow ah, by the way, and he said in the end I said, but it will take time <laughs> <laughs> before we Before we
1: he also calls for patience hmm. yeah the, uh, you also previously talked about this um, our slowness, certain um, take are our, our we as species that we need to take time and that we take so long to notice things and realize things. I personally was watching your film, I was constantly thinking it was not only about one iconic animal, this film, but it was just as much about the act of seeing or the act of genuinely looking at things. As if for the first time. And in this sense, Kunda was um, a meditative experience for me. Like I know this word is sometimes overused when describing a film, but I mean meditative in the sense that it was really grounding and inviting to be present in a given space and not to turn away from it. Do you believe that patient way of looking at things can reveal something that was previously invisible? Like what you said about Kundas, soul? <laughs> the uh, you know. Thank you for this
2: question because actually, if you ask yourself why cinema exists, why cin- why we need cinema, right? So well, let's say let's say we need mirror to see ourselves, right? To understand ourselves, but why do we need cinema? And we need cinema to see what we cannot see, right? Or we we don't want to see, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, why, this is why I'm more and more coming to the point that I don't use words in, in my films. Because if I use words, people listen to me. So they activate rational part of brain. They, start, they want to understand it. They want to they mobilize rational part of their brain to understand the story. Uh, but I don't want them to listen to me. I don't want, I want them to see. And not rational part, but I want them to use other part of their brain when they can feel. And that's why I start less and less using any words and any story. That's why I always say, if you want to say something, come on, just say it. Why oh, you need to make movie. You want to tell a story, tell it. There are writing, there are a radio shows, there are podcasts, there are many. There, you can be journalist, you can be whatever. But if you want to show something, then it makes sense to make movie, right? If you want people to see something, they what they don't want to see, then it makes sense to make movie.
1: Absolutely. I don't want to reveal too much about your film, obviously, to the viewers that hasn't seen it yet. But just to say in the film, we take time to observe very special experiences of animals, like um giving birth of the mother pig or this very special moment of the chicken that makes her first steps outside the cage on the grass. And then there is this one long take that I want to talk about, a sequence where a tractor appears and with it, a totally different kind of creature enters the universe of the film. And I have to say it's quite a loud and ugly entrance of a human into this world that was previously humanless, So that sequence of the film really felt for me like a commentary on the state of our entire civilization. Did you? How did you come to this point that you realized, okay, this is how I'm going to portray a human world? We actually didn't know what will happen.
2: We didn't know how it will happen. We just knew that uh, tomorrow uh, they will the people will make uh, they will separate mom so we knew this but how it will happen we did not know actually so for me it was important to find a particular place when i will see everything whatever will happen i will i will be able to catch it from another side to give her distance to give to to gunda her space that i'm not in between and she's so that she is alone. And, and this was magic because it's probably experience. My experience helped me to choose, to choose the right place. My team was asking me, why do you think we must put camera here? And I, I swear, I will tell you the truth now. I said to them, listen, I guess what will happen is she will so disappointed. She will run. She will run, run, run. And then she will come to us. The, uh, I f- I feel it because there is no one else she can talk to. And this is what happened. She was fifteen minutes running. And then in the end, before she disappeared, she came to us. She looked to the camera. And you cannot miss what she tells you, right? She
1: mm-hmm.
2: she exactly tells you what the fuck are you doing?
1: It's it's crystal clear.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? And the it transmits some emotions people did not feel before, and,
1: and it's magic.
2: This is this is magic. This mm-hmm. is total magic. This is beautiful, most beautiful now drop, mm-hmm. most beautiful. In our job.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely transcendental <laughs> moment in the film. Um, there is one philosopher that your work um, made me think of. There's a contemporary philosopher called Timothy Morton, uh, the author of Dark Ecology. He talks about grief for the impact of human species on the planet. And he says something about the state of the world today. He says is unspeakable. It's impossible to speak about. And if there's anything we can do in the face of this ecological disaster that we caused, is basically to work with this feeling of grief, to work with grief. And as for creative work, again, he said, right now our creative work is basically to scream with intelligence. That's the only thing is left for us to do. And in a way it's the best thing I can say also about your film that this is the feeling it gave me. I watched acknowledgement of grief and a scream that was somehow translated into intelligent cinematic language. Have you invited us kind of not to run away from this feeling of sadness and grief, but to confront it and to feel a portion of that pain and responsibility watching Gunda?
2: You know what to ask, because um, in fact, my the title of the film was different. Hmm. Uh, I wanted to call it my apology, because... I know exactly that I cannot change this world, right? I know, and I actually don't believe art has this duty to change the world. I'm not sure we're able to do it.
1: Hmm.
2: And I know that people, even most intelligent people I know who, who watch my film and hug me and say, wow, this is such a piece of Walk and masterpiece and da, da, da. and then we go to restaurant to eat and continue talking and they order steak <laughs> so so the film is film and my life is my life I can respect film but still I will continue my life my my idea was to call it my apology because I know I cannot change the planet I cannot change people and I'm not allowed to do it it's your life and People can do whatever they want, but at least I can say to animals, I'm sorry guys, I do what, this is what I can do for you. I mean, at least I, this I can do. So then friends, they told me, in America we don't have culture of apology. <laughs> so no one will come to see a movie if your film called My Apology. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we have to change the title.
1: I have one more, in a way, Maybe more practical question, or maybe more even more philosophical. Um, maybe it's about the last sequence again, and generally generally you work as a director and cinematographer. With this film Hyundai you worked with another cinematographer, but the last sequence, you decided to film yourself. And I was wondering, how do you decide what are, what are the shots that you have to absolutely do yourself? What are the sequences? Is it again intuition that tells you what's the right thing? It's uh, this is a very interesting question for me
2: important because my way of filming is when you when you kind of really dissolve into your your mentality your мировоззрение your way of seeing world
1: world vision
2: yeah world vision is is inside the image so and a movement of camera must be connected to your to the movement of your soul when you film it. So this is why the the last episode was so important. In the first shooting day, mostly I was filming myself and he was trying to film the second camera. And uh, I realized why we are not matching together. Mm. So what I did, I put um, headphones and I had a microphone. And I start comment what he films. I start comment his image while he was filming. And I said, look at your nose, look how beautiful. Is. Look at your eyes, look at them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Look at your ears, look look how beautiful it is it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he understood that while filming, you have to feel it. You have to feel what you feel, not you just follow situation. And he was immediately uh involved in full speed and then in the end we were ki- kind of one body together we were able to we were kind of together in this
1: camera we were able to make it so mm-hmm. yeah and thank, thank you much. so much again for talking to us yeah. um I I, I I i yeah yes yeah. i just
2: I just need to say that I'm happy that, you know, if you're working in Russia and you're a filmmaker, ironically, you're not a filmmaker here until your film is in, in America. <laughs> this is irony. irony. In Russia, they only respect filmmaker when it's nominated to Oscar or was distributed in cinema in America, then, oh, Good, good filmmaker. I was there all my life, no one noticed. And now, after Aquarela was in shortlist and Oscar, they, oh, no. And now Neon is distributing Yunda. Neon is very professional, right? They know how to distribute movies. Mm-hmm. So I hope they're gonna do it well. And I hope American people will watch documentary how, not American documentary, but a different kind of documentary
1: oh yes yeah okay thank you Victor so much for really a conversation that felt like heart to heart
0: to talk it was beautiful to talk to you ciao Gunda opens today December 11th for an exclusive one week run at Lemley Theatres in Los Angeles and Film Forum in New York City This podcast was produced by Bandari Productions, with music by Naeem Makhbub in Stockholm, and produced by Christina Zachariades in New York. Special thanks to Sergei and Stephanie Belov in Austin, Texas, Eileen Gokman in Switzerland, and Eka Tsutsoria in Tbilisi.